It was many years ago that I, um, I scheduled and I did a, a funeral in Pueblo with the graveside service being in Rocky Ford. I'd never been to Rocky Ford, so I was looking forward to it. And so uh, the funeral director told me, uh, since you haven't been to Rocky Ford and you haven't been to this particular cemetery, I'm going to need to give you a map so that you're able to get there. He said, you, and I says, oh, I'll find it. And he says, no, you may not find it. This cemetery is hard to find. And not only that, there's not any real street signs in Rocky Ford. A lot of them are missing and haven't been replaced. And so as a result of that, I've, I've developed this map that has a lot of signs that you need to follow. In other words, a lot of, a lot of landmarks, a, a red Ford truck you need to look for, and a barn, and a fence, and some of these other things. And I'm, I really didn't think I needed a map. And so I finished the funeral here in Pueblo, got in my car, simply gave Siri some directions, and, and, uh, and we took, took off. After all, Siri and I have logged a lot of miles together. I felt confident that we could find it. Uh, we got into Rocky Ford. We went through Rocky Ford. We came to the, out, the other side of Rocky Ford. Yeah, you know where this is headed. I heard someone. I ended up in an empty field. And I just tell you this, Siri and I had words. Um, I simply said to her, I said, Siri, how could you? And she said, who, me? And and she was a little sarcastic, and it, it really made me mad. And so then I, I know as a pastor you probably shouldn't have an argument with an electronic device, uh, but I was angry. And so I turned to her, not turned to her, that's weird. And so I said, <laughs> I said, Siri, you suck. <laughs> Siri responded back to me, after all I have done for you, Charlie, and she said it kind of in a sarcastic tone. And so just let me tell you this, Siri and I, the rest of the trip was in like silence. And so I'm in an empty field. Now I know that I'm going to be late to this graveside service. And so, uh, and it couldn't start without me. And I knew this is going to be awkward. So I, I, I took off in my truck. I drove back into Rocky Ford. I went into a, a gas station. I went to the head of the line and I'm, I'm frantic. And I'm like, you need to help me. I need to get to this, this cemetery. I, I got to do a graveside service. And so, so the, the attendant is like, well, I don't know if you're going to find it. It's kind of hard to find. And, and cause there's not a lot of signs. And I said, yeah, I know that. I I know there's not any street signs. I know there's signs. I need to know where the red truck is. I need to know where the fence is. I need to know where the white barn is. I need to know those things. And so they gave me directions, but they didn't act like I knew that I was going to make it or I was going to be able to make it. And so I, I pulled into the cemetery, and there was everyone seated in their positions, and they were, like, waiting for me. I learned it's awkward when you, when you miss the signs. See, it should have been a sign to me that the funeral home director said that I, I, I would need a map. It should have been a sign to me when Siri didn't sound too confident when I gave her the destination and she said, hopefully you will arrive at. It should have been a sign to me when I pulled up into an empty field and yes, I found the cemetery and finding the burial plot was not hard because it was the one with all the people seated in green chairs facing a casket wondering where the pastor is. The family was really gracious to me because they said, don't worry about it, Pastor. After all, a lot of us are from Rocky Ford, and we got lost as, as well. After the service, uh, we, we ended up going to a restaurant together, and we had a meal together, and we began talking about this I issue of missing a sign. And it was interesting to me how many people saw the sign and how many people missed the signs. You see, the story of Jesus begins with a sign. 
long before he was ever born, hundreds of years before he was born. The prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 7.14. says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When you think about this sign that, that, that Jesus was coming into the world, this was, this was planned, uh, planned for Jesus to come into the world before he was ever conceived. This plan was conceived in the heart of God. This was a sign from the Lord himself, what Scripture tells us. And really, when you look at this, it wasn't a spectacular event. Yes, it was a miracle. It is a miracle when a virgin gives, gives, gives birth. But, but when you look at this, it wasn't a spectacular event. You would think that, that God entering the, war, the world would be a larger event. Maybe some fireworks and maybe some big lights. Maybe, maybe Facebook Live. I don't know. Have you ever noticed how there's some people that can make an entrance into the room and like everybody knows that they're there? I mean, just when they walk in the room, everybody aware, is aware that they're in the room. And you think, God, could have, couldn't you have made a more spectacular entrance, stunning and amazing entrance into the world? When you think about it, God knows how to make an exit. exit the burial, his resurrection, the, the ascension with, with witnesses. It was like a drop-the-mic moment. You think, God, couldn't this have been bigger? God had already gone big when he created the world. He could have made it bigger. He couldn't have made it any bigger than creating the world. I mean, the, the scientists tell us that within our galaxies, there's like billions of stars. There are over 80 billion galaxies. The universe is so large that the measurement that we use is light years. Astrophysicist tells us that the universe is so huge that if you want to travel to the edge of the universe, it would take you 15.5 billion light years. The universe is so huge and so inconceivable. I mean, when you look at it, it's really hard to get your mind around. But when God created the world, he went big. And when God entered the world, he went small. And he said this was the sign God, who was not defined by time and space, was voluntarily reduced to a size of a speck, a microscopic cell in the womb of a teenager, a virgin, with the most ordinary name in history, Mary. And Jesus' birth was one of the most human of human moments. The scripture tells us in Philippians 2.6, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The sign was that God came to earth. Jesus was God. God invaded earth. That is the relevance of Christmas. Jesus didn't start out in a stable. He existed before creations. Theologians refer to this as the preeminence of, of Christ. He has always been, he always was. You can find Jesus all the way back in the book of Genesis. 
Colossians 1.15 tells us this. Christ is a, invis- is a visible image of God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made things we can and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He is an exact likeness of the unseen God. You see, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time relating to something vague in the, in the sky. But when I see God in the flesh and Jesus Christ, I, I can cor- relate to that. The sign was God became a man. Jesus Christ was a man in flesh and blood and bones and hair. He is a real person, not a myth, not a fable, or not some nice story. Fact is, if you look Jesus Christ up in the encyclopedia, you'll find more pages about him than anyone else. And God came to earth as a human being, as a person. He was born like us. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was God in human form. He was, he was born like us. He grew like us is what scripture says. He, he was tempted like us. He was tempted in every way just as, as we are. Yet the scripture says he was perfect. He was without sin. He suffered like us. He felt pain and disappointment. He got tired and had fatigue. He felt lonely at times. He grieved and he, and he cried. He, he, he was human. So why did God take on flesh and blood? Why would a God take on flesh and blood and be tempted in every way? Like us, yet he was, he was perfect and he led a sinless life. He allowed himself to be mocked and beaten and crucified on a cross and die. Why would he do that? Because oftentimes we're not good at reading the signs. We're not very good at connecting our brokenness to our souls. The signs are all around us. Many times we don't see them. We just think it's coincidence. Yet God is saying the signs are here, the signs are there, and that we, we need him. But many times, if we're not careful, especially at Christmas times, we can miss the signs, much like I did in Rocky Ford. You know what what the signs are? The signs are our personal brokenness, anger and jealousy and greed and hatred and murder and war and violence and racism and terrorism. We are broken like Humpty Dumpty. And all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put him back together again. The signs of our brokenness are that we hurt each other and we betray each other. The signs are our brokenness or our abandonment and abuse and families that are like shattered to pieces. See, if we're not careful, we think it's just life. And we don't connect the dots that it's a sign. It's a sign of our our spiritual brokenness that we need him. And God is saying, no, you cannot fix yourself. You cannot heal yourself. God is saying, I'm, I'm going to send you a sign, Isaiah 7:14. All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with you. So that you and I have a God with us in our imperfection, that we have a God with us in our loneliness, that we have a God with us in our illness, that we have a God with us in our pain, that we have a God witness in our in our sin. God gave us the greatest gift 
His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen, I have learned you cannot love without giving. There's something about Christmas that's a reminder to me of that. Never forget, many years ago, we had moved to Pueblo, Colorado. We had started a church, and Christmas time rolled around, and we have two daughters, and, well, money was tight. And so they made their Christmas list, and, and uh, they turned in their Christmas list, list, and I never will forget this. There was like 50 items on their Christmas list, from an overhead projector all the way down to Barbie stuff. Yes, I said an overhead projector. She is now a teacher. And so they wanted, I mean, it was like 50 things. And I looked at this and I looked at the list and I said, are you dreaming? You better ask the Lord. Maybe he'll bless you. I mean, I wanted to say the North Pole is closed. I mean, parents, haven't you ever felt like that? Parents, haven't you ever wanted to say the North Pole is closed? Tell the truth. Shame the devil. I mean, we've all felt like that at times. (laughs) But you know what we did as parents? We figured out a way. We figured out a way to get as many things on that list as we could. You know why? Because we love our kids. Because our kids have value and we want to bless them. And that Christmas morning, when they opened up their gifts, remember, two girls... There was shaking, screaming, tears, and they were running around that room like they were full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, it was like a spiritual moment. And that morning, you know what I realized? I realized the power of giving and receiving because they have value. Let me show you how much God loves you. And you have value. John 3.16 says this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. That he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. He gave. How much? What price was he willing to pay? His love for us, let's make this personal, his love for you moved him to the point to give you his one and only son. If we're not careful, we can look at some people and we can say, you know what, they're not even garage sale material. And you know what, God says, oh no, I will pay the price for them with my one and only son. Because they have value. Because I love them. That's the value they have. That I would send my one and only son for them. That he would be a son. And I don't know where you are tonight in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you love God or hate God. I don't know if you love the church or hate the church. But I'm here tonight to tell you, based upon his word, That if your picture of God is anything less than a God who loves you unconditionally, you have an inaccurate picture of God. He loves you unconditionally. His love is for frat boys and girls who like to party. His love is 
is for children with special needs and victims of abuse. His love is for single moms and foster kids. His love is for gang members, meth dealers, addicts, and those counting their days clean and sober. His love is for those counting out their days left behind bars and those counting out their days since they've been behind bars. His love is for doctors and dishwashers and teachers and coaches and insurance salesmen and people from Colorado and yes, people from Texas just like me and dishwashers and steel workers and truck drivers. His love is for people who have been divorced and his love is for people who are married. His love is for politicians and pastors and policemen. His love is for families falling apart. And his love is for families pretending they have it all together. His love is for everyone. And his love is for you. Philippians 2 7 again says, Instead, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a, a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is a loving God. And he has sent you a sign. The sign is simply this, is that he got small. So he could enter your world and be with you. Friends, do not miss the sign this Christmas. The sign is here. The sign is here with us. Emmanuel, God with us. If, you feel, if, if God feels distant from you right now, it may be because you're distant from God. But I want you to know He is not far. He is as close as the air that you breathe. He is pressing against your soul right now. He is knocking on the door of your life right now. And He is simply saying, I am here. I am here. I am here. This Christmas, do not miss the sign. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes for just a brief moment?